John, these guys from Vintage Steel are all about old bikes. In fact, I think they don't think a bike that was built after 1980 has any soul. What do you what do you ride? You got a bike with soul? Yeah, my bike has plenty of soul. Let's not worry about that. Let's worry more about their daddy cages that they talk about here. Oh, Jesus. The daddy cages that they did not want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. Okay, so we're super excited to have Josh and Chris from Vintage Steel. You guys on the line? Yes, we are. Yes, we're here. How's it going? We're excited to have you guys. You guys are the real deal. Uh, you know, this is something we actually were really looking forward to, Mark and me. We, we're basically talking. You guys are, are somewhat, I mean, you're self-taught, right? This this whole business originated from passion. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for the uh, the kind words. We really, uh, we, we really appreciate that. You know, that's what really keeps us going is, like, all the nice things people have to say about us. It's, like, you know, what keeps us coming in the shop every day and, and doing what we do. Uh, but, yeah, I started wrenching uh, probably 10 years ago now, and uh, all self-taught. I did work for another motor sh- motorcycle shop called Line Motorsports with Stanley Line uh, for a summer one time. So I learned, you know, like the most uh, valuable information in like a very short amount of time in relation to running a motorcycle shop and, you know, a lot of wrenching on motorcycles, too. You know, per- <laughs> presumably they didn't. They, they they weren't teaching you how to how to make seats in in the stuff that you guys are doing though, right? No. Well, so I'm sorry. Uh, can you ask that question again? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm watching your videos on VintageSteel.com, which are absolutely fantastic, by the way. And and I'm seeing you guys do stuff that I I'm baffled that you would learn. I can't believe that you actually learned these things at a at another shop. I mean, these are things you just literally, you just tested and and, and went through them yourself. Yeah, no, I I personally uh, get this question a lot. You know, like how, you know, how I learned to do a lot of the fabrication and stuff like that. And it is all self-taught. And you know, I've been wrenching on things ever since I was a little kid. You know, taking things apart, putting them back together. When it comes to like working with tools, you know, I was really uh, really lucky at a young age to like have a whole wood shop like in my in my basement. You know, when I was like eight years old, so I was always able to mess around with tools. But really, you know, the the beauty of of the modern age that we live in is you know YouTube and reading forums. So if I have a question about something, I can just get on YouTube, watch a video, see how a couple people do it, and then I can you know turn it into how I how I want to execute the the problem at hand. Hey Josh and Chris, it's Mark over here. I'm 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 curious about what inspires you about vintage motorcycles. I mean, so many of these bikes that uh, we see today are you know they've been ridden hard and put away wet, and you guys are resurrecting these dinosaurs and making them spectacular machines again. Who who's your audience? I mean, who's 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 shopping at Vintage Steel? I'm curious. Is it young buyers? Is it old guys wanting the bike they had when they grew up? Yeah, well, it's it's a little bit of everything, you know. That's kind of that's what we that's what we pride ourselves on is that we're uh, we're an all encompassing shop, you know. Like we we're we're here to make everybody feel comfortable and welcome. Um, you know, you, you you hit the nail on the head with a couple of those. You know, we do advertise ourselves and and you know make ourselves accessible to, to new riders, um, young riders, uh, you know, people just looking to get into the industry. Um, you know. 
know, we, we, we're here to, to make a, you know, a safe environment for people, you know, for women, for young people. Um, you know, we, we try to not have the whole macho edge that, uh, that you can get in a lot of other motorcycle shops, um, you know, just so that everybody feels welcome here. Well, we can tell that from your video. I, I took note of, of Al Davis, who's a young lady that you've got wrenching uh, there in the garage with you guys. That must be awesome. You, she's, uh, she's labeled as an apprentice on uh, your website. What, what's, what's Al's role? Yeah, well, so uh, recently Al just took on a new job, and we've been seeing her less and less because she has to you know, concentrate and focus uh, you know, where she's actually getting paid, <laughs> which is really exciting for her, kind of a bummer for us. Um, so recently, in, in, in recent history, we've seen her less and less, which is really sad. Uh, but no, we do like uh, we do take on apprentices from time to time, not very often, just because of uh, the lack of time we have. But when people show us that they're, you know, really motivated and really, really interested in learning how to wrench on motorcycles, then we get really excited, and you know that's when we want to work with people. Um, yeah, and uh, Alice is great. You know, she's uh, she's the first woman that we've had in here to like do a lot of the wrenching on. You know, like she doesn't do much with customer bikes, uh, but she helps out around the shop. You know, she does a lot of like the resurrecting of uh, dead machines and like bikes we find for cheap. You know, to fix up and sell. You know, a lot of parting out to like keep our eBay store uh, flowing. So you know, where there's a there's a a lot of little areas where you know we need as much assistance as we can. You know, and it's a good a good way to just get your hands dirty and start learning about motorcycles and learning about all the different parts and what they do. It's it's a uh, you know I guess what I one of the questions I had is where are we finding these bikes? I mean, you 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 guys, these are works of art in my opinion. And and I go on your website and I'm just uh, you know I see some of the builds you guys have done. And they look, you know, spectacular, better than any motorcycle that, that comes off of a, a dealership floor. I mean, where are you, where are you acquiring this stuff? Yeah, well, it's hard to compete with, like, you know, what a lot of the people are doing these days. You know, like, Harley's, uh, you know, producing, manufacturing some really amazing machines themselves, you know. So for us, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're a tiny little piece of the, you know, the motorcycle industry pie. You know, but for, for the bills I think you're referring to, just because we do so many different things and we, you know, with in relation to motorcycles where we find bikes for builds specifically, um, sometimes uh, the client brings us the bike because they've owned it for however many years, 10, 20, 30 years, and they just want to restore it. Or, you know, they've got an idea and they've always wanted to use like a BMW R75 as a platform, then we may go find it for them. And, you know, between our social media, between Craigslist and eBay, you know, we have uh, and contacts we've made over the past couple of years, you know, we have a lot of access to a lot of really cool machines to then modify, you know, and individualize and make unique for for the client. So and I think that's what you're. I think that's what you're referring. To. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I just, I, I Mark and I, I were, were intrigued when we were when we we're going through these. I mean, this 1971 Triumph Tiger, and I know some of these are bikes that you've rebuilt for for clients, but then some of them are bikes that you acquire uh you know build up and then and then resell but it just they're just uh the photos themselves you know and as our listeners if they're if you haven't been on this website went vintage steel uh s-t-e-e-l-e dot com spectacular photos and video i mean it really is amazing but 
Um, Mark and I were really excited to talk with you guys. I've been to your shop, Mark. You haven't been to their shop. I haven't been down to Brattleboro, but I'm starting to wonder what's in the water down there because you've got two sort of prominent uh, uh, shops down there that are focusing on vintage bikes. Of course, you guys and Lynn Motorsports and... You know, there's some there's some good energy going on down there in Brattleboro with motor, motorcycles. I got to get down there. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, you know, uh, between the two, we've created a pretty uh, a pretty vibrant motorcycle community down here. Um, you know, and it's it's something that we're we're constantly working on uh, growing and and you know, creating to to become a bigger and better thing. Um, you know, get more more people on motorcycles and get more cars off the road. <laughs> No, we're we're excited about the future of you know Southern Vermont and motorcycling. You know, just because we kind of are the gateway to Vermont, you know, so we kind of see ourselves as like the introduction uh, to the state, you know, and uh, motorcycling in general is becoming you know a bigger industry in the state, especially for tourism and dollars coming into the state, which is like pretty exciting to me, and I feel you know should be pretty exciting to everyone. So being in Southern Vermont, so close to New Hampshire and Massachusetts, it's like you know we have this awesome opportunity to, you know, uh, treat this industry and this lifestyle and this culture, you know, cultivate it and, you know, try to try to keep it going and exciting for everybody to come check out what we're doing and then, you know, check out the entire state. And you guys are are um, moving these bikes for different shows and, and whatnot. Tell us about some of the some of the cool stories, you know, your favorite story of where you've transported these because I think when I was down there, some time ago, you were getting ready for a show on one of the bikes you were building. Uh, yeah, well, no, so to promote the shop, you know, we don't really have a, uh, a marketing budget at all, <laughs> you know. So we really appreciate when folks like you guys, you know, ask us to do a, do events like this, you know, because this is what really helps us, you know, spread the word that we're here and that we exist. But another thing is, is, is are the shows that we go to, we do a lot of, like, classic vintage style, style shows, and then... Uh, we've been getting more involved in like the, the invite only uh, motorcycle shows going on around the country. Uh, I'm not, I can't recall which show it was that you were here in the shop before we participated in it. But uh, two years ago, we went out to Portland, Oregon for the One Moto show. We took a BMW K100 after that. Last year, we went to the hand built show in Austin, Texas, and we took our uh, BMW R60 to that. And then this year, we were just invited back. Um, to the handle show in in Austin, Texas, and we're taking a 1964 Triumph Bonneville uh, 750 that we just we just completed. We're taking that down there for that in April. That's the that's so, like at the top of your website right now, and a kind of it's a blue, like a robin blue color. Yep. Yeah. No. One. We're pretty pretty uh, thrilled on the response we're getting. Like a lot of people seem to be loving this bike, and we're we're more than excited about how you know how like this bike has been uh, perceived and you know we haven't even been able to put any shakedown miles on it or ride it yet because of the winter time so we're even more stoked to ride it <laughs> i bet hey i'm curious when you're approached by folks who are looking to to acquire a motorcycle you must get some unusual requests what's have you had it you ever had any real crazy requests for builds either from custom builds or restorations that uh you could tell us about. I'm curious about that. Uh, Chris looks like he wants to dodge this question, so I think. <laughs> Wait, this is not a podcast where you dodge any of our questions. So just so you know. <laughs> no, we have had some really odd requests that I don't really want to talk about. That's because, fine. Uh, the sound is so small. I don't want to get him back to the folks and make it sound like we're picking on them. <laughs> so 
make people dreams come true. You know, like if you have this idea um, of like a style or design of a bike, you know, we'll assist you with that. You know, we do we guide the entire project, especially when it comes to functionality and mostly safety. Um, you know, safety is our number one concern. So, like, if you have this like crazy idea where, like, I don't know, you don't want a front brake, you know, we're probably not going to do that. We're probably going to uh, talk you into putting a front brake on your motorcycle because that's what makes sense. You know, so we guide the project, but um, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, take too much of a, of, of a leadership role in that. In the sense that, like, you know, if you have this crazy idea for a paint scheme or or whatever. We're gonna we're gonna help with that, and we're gonna hopefully steer it in the direction of making a lot of sense, being really beautiful, and the client getting you know what they expect and what they want. I have an idea. We could probably, if we just tell them we shut off the, the uh, recorder. Yeah. Get Chris to tell us that story. Then we'll put it we'll put it we'll put it on the podcast and 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 and, and it will go crazy. It'll go viral, and I mean in the end it's it's. Yeah, we had a guy that came in here one time, and he wanted us to design uh, what he had called a daddy cage, and basically he, uh, his wife wouldn't let him ride a motorcycle because they had two kids, and she didn't want anything to happen to him, but he really wanted to ride, so he basically came up with a whole idea for what, like I said, what he called daddy cage, which is basically to put a giant roll cage around a motorcycle. <laughs> you know what? You are you guys are on to something right there. A daddy cage. Well, yeah, you know, so, but it gets worse. So, basically what a motorcycle with a daddy cage is, is a car. Yeah, he wanted to do belt and everything. And we tried to explain to him that that's not safe or good or really something that we could do. And he was very persistent. He came at least two or three times trying to convince us to you know, create this daddy cage, which never ended up coming to fruition. But it was uh, it was an entertaining process. Well, let the record reflect right now that uh, I'm trademarking daddy cage <laughs> as it relates to motorcycles. And uh, I just want you guys to know that. So if this comes up yeah. 10 years from now, I own it. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, uh, we've seen some pretty crazy things. I'm sure you guys have as well. How about airbags? Can you put airbags in? They have bike? them. They have them. <laughs> they, they they have bikes with airbags now. <laughs> Honda did that, guys. Honda did that on their on one of their bikes. Really? Yeah. At that point, though, I was like, "Sorry, dude, you you may have married the wrong woman." <laughs> we're we <laughs> we're gonna move on so we don't have to edit this stuff out. So so uh. You know, I, I, I know the story, guys, but I'd, I'd ask you, just because I know Mark has not been down to your shop before, but sourcing parts, is that easy, difficult, becoming more difficult? Tell us about that. Sourcing parts for what? <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good question. Yeah. In general, in general. Well, you can't get daddy cage out of your head. That's why. <laughs> no, so, like, a lot of people, because of how... Sorry that I'm pausing. I'm still trying to think. So, unfortunately and sadly, a lot of people don't have enough money to maintain their motorcycles appropriately. So, like, a, uh, 
Yeah. What we've discovered is that like a lot of the parts out there still exist. They're still you can order them. You know, they may be coming from Germany. They may be coming from India. Um, you know, because of eBay, parts can come from all over the world, especially used parts. Um, you know, but a, a, a lot of people's hesitation still is the money. You know, because uh, parts still exist. You know, unless we're talking about like Vincent or Brush Superior, like there's still uh, lots of parts out there. It's just, are you willing to spend the prices that people are asking for those parts? That's the big question. You know, so we spend a lot of time talking to people like, oh yeah, you know, like your your 1960s BMW R R50. There's a ton of parts in Germany. The issue though is you have to pay the, the prices and you have to pay for the shipping, and that adds up really quickly. And I bet. Very I bet. Yeah, that's that that always presents a challenge. Yeah. All right. I, I hope that answer wasn't too boring for the question. <laughs> well, I, I, it's definitely not boring because I mean I I get it. You know, sourcing parts when you're dealing with this stuff is uh, is complex stuff, and I I, I think it's important that anybody that's even contemplating this understands that that's that's why these these beautiful motorcycles take time and it's not that josh and chris don't want to get this stuff done and they are taking their time built putting it back together it's like one little piece could slow this whole thing down um i know it happens with us with when we work on some some different bikes out there that it just you literally could have the bike setting for weeks waiting for one little piece and it's not that you don't want to get it done and get it out the door but um you know I mean, that's a whole nother discussion in itself is is trying to make sure that you can get that bike done in the time frame i think i mean to me that's yeah, exactly. that causes me anxiety anxiety just talking about it is the is the tom time frame that some people say hey can i get it done before the you know in in two months or three months i mean to give that expectation when you don't even know whether you can get the the parts yeah you know? totally it's even more difficult too in, a, in an area like the climate that we live in. Uh, when the, the riding season is only six months, you know, so people really want to. The, the window for riding is so short, so they want their bikes done then, you know, like right away. And it's like you know, there's a lot of different limiting factors on what you know what you're capable of doing. Um, so that's why we beg people in the winter time, like you know, bring their bikes into us to, to repair during the winter time, so that then that way they're at least ready for spring and summer. Makes so sense. A lot of people are really on it and you know aware of that but then we still you know come april we still have you know the onslaught of everyone like hey i need my bike done now <laughs> it's like where were you you know in march <laughs> yeah yeah well we're we're all we're all uh all motorcyclists we're all we all have a little bit of procrastination mixed in there right <laughs> yeah. so hey guys you know one of the things that i notice as i look through your videos and, and read about you you are that you're you're expert mechanics, but you're also artists. I'm seeing a level of artistry in what you're doing down there that makes me curious about your spiritual connection to motorcycles. When I look at your motorcycles, I, I don't know, I'm sensing, I'm sensing that you're extracting something kind of sort of like the soul of the motorcycle. So I'm curious, I'm, the, I'm sort of the spiritual gangster here at Wilkins Harley Davidson, <laughs> and they kind of make a lot of fun of me about that, but. Well, we make, we make a lot of fun of, about you for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, 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 I get but it. But that's but that's that's one of the reasons. I mean, he ties he finds the this this aura about motorcycles that uh, completely. Yeah, and I get they their motorcycles have soul. There's no doubt about that. They've tapped into it. Yeah. So so what I'm curious is is do you believe that motorcycles have souls, Josh and Chris? And can you I expound think, on that? I think the motorcycles before the 80s do. Whoa, whoa. 
before the 80s have Whoa. souls. Whoa, that's a, that's you know, a line in the sand. They, well, not only that, but they, they, this opens up a whole new line of questioning. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to hold back on some of the difficult questions yeah, that I had for them. We all yeah. have to be careful where we go here. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. Keep going. Keep yeah, digging, yeah. digging on this one. Before 1980, the bikes have souls. Go ahead. guys you guys do that very very well because as i look at your creations i'm inspired from a mechanical point of view of course i want to feel what that feels like but as much i i enjoy just in looking at them and studying the lines and some of the choices that you make in the restoration process are clearly artistic and uh very inspirational so uh, before we get off well, this well before yeah before we go on to the next question I just got to say, whoever supported you in that, I think it was Josh that yeah. was like echoing and you guys were lining up and you're thinking on motorcycles. And, and I agree, these motorcycles have sold. But I just want to tell you, uh, uh, I think it was Josh. Was it was it Josh that just said all that? Yep. Yeah. Now Mark is going to be like floating around the dealership here talking about how somebody else is, he, he's found somebody else that actually lines up with his thinking. We're kindred spirits. Yeah. What The... the the point is, you've made my job a little bit more difficult. So, <laughs> hey, jo hey, Josh, no worries, man. The, let's keep on this direction because he, also, here. Talk about this, to, to you know, elaborate more on the soul of a motorcycle. You know, like yes, yeah, some motorcycles you look at them and you can just feel that they they have their own personality, their own soul, their own character. Um, but really, I think what's beautiful and amazing about motorcycles are people's connection with their motorcycles and like how happy motorcycles make uh, their owners or their riders. Yeah. You know, I think that is more like... That's uh, where the soul comes from. Yeah, that's where the soul comes from, exactly. And it's like, that's, it's a beautiful thing how uh, some people uh, fast, like fixate on their motorcycles so heavily. You know, like there's like, um, there's like forums online right now where people like all they're doing is talking about like the spring and how badly they want to ride. You know, and you know they're sitting in their offices or their jobs or whatever just dreaming about their motorcycles and riding their motorcycles. And I think that, like, that goes way beyond just a, a soulful or a soulful motorcycle. I think that's all motorcycles and, like, the connection that people have with them. Well, and Mark and I talk about this often enough, and this is going to go off 
the, the, the reservation a little bit, but, you know. I've been doing that the whole interview. The, well, that's a, <laughs> the, 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 the point, I guess, is that when you ride your motorcycle, there is something extremely peaceful, almost uh, like meditation, that is uh, really interesting about when you ride a bike how it, um, you, you, you know, some people are thinking about their day, but oftentimes there is a energy boost when you get off a motorcycle. And it's really kind of an interesting phenomenon when we talk about that, that it really um, is very calming for your mind. And that's why I associate it to meditation and, and whatnot. But I think that ties in with all this stuff that when we, when, when I look at some of the stuff you guys are working on and, and I know um, having done this myself and not at the level that you guys are, but you know, when you work on motorcycles and when you have a, a business that does this, part of it is passion and part of it is business because you, you got to be able to put food on the, on the table. But you know, the, the bikes that you guys are producing and the photos and the videos is very moving and very, it, it has an emotional tie, which is what pulled us towards wanting so bad to do a podcast with you folks so um <laughs> is is it's just a really cool your instagram page i mean you guys um the amount of interaction and engagement and support you find from very few posts i might add they're not they, they don't even post that often yeah, pretty weird, and, pretty but they just weird. get a huge following i feel with, like we over i feel like we over post <laughs> oh well we're looking for more i mean i you know and i just gotta ask this this mud bike you have like a mud bike, um, Josh, that you were like, it's covered with, with uh, mud. W was this bike uh, stored in a pond or what was the what was the story behind that? Oh, yeah. You're talking about that Triumph that... Uh... Yeah, it's a Triumph and it was maybe green at one point in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, 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 that photo isn't even a great photo. That was just taken with a cell phone. And uh, that like, the first time I posted it, it got like 10,000 likes, which is crazy because... Uh, you know, none of our posts have ever had that many. I don't know what it is with that photo. But we found it in a barn in uh, Putney, and uh, in like a three-sided barn. It wasn't even like a real barn. <laughs> the rain uh, splashed off the ground so much that it covered the bike uh, in mud, essentially, and, and dust and dirt. Mud and manure. And it to the bike. Yeah. So, well. and I, yeah, and something, like people really connected with that photo specifically. And, you know, I, I, the social social marketing uh, researchers could do like a case study on that photo and like learn about how to, you know, like what it takes to, you know, market yourself off of a really crappy photo. I like <laughs> a it. A really rusty, dirty bike. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a cool photo. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, so a lot of our, a lot of our photography that we do, like, uh, with, like all of our marketing we do here in-house, I do the majority of it of the photo taking and, and the marketing just because that, that element of the business I really enjoy doing. Uh, to do it well, it takes a ton of time, you know, which a lot of people don't really, you know, realize. To do one post, you know, it's usually 30 to 45 mm -hmm. minutes of time to just do it, um, which is hugely valuable, which I'm always preaching to other business owners, you know, that it's worth it, you know, to really, to really put yourself out there and really uh, take what it, do what it takes to do an appropriate post to be engaging with people and entertain and get people to, you know, get into what you're doing. Yeah. So as I look through your portfolio, guys, I see a lot of uh, English and and um, German bikes in in the portfolio. I'm curious, uh, do you ever work on Harleys or uh, you know what's your 
Do you have any um, examples of Harleys that you guys have brought back to life? Yeah, I mean, we do. We do work on Harleys. We work on everything. Um, you know, like a lot of the uh, a lot of the Harley stuff over the years, we've left up to uh, to uh, Stanley down at Lines Motorsports here in town to not step on his toes. Um, you know, because he's a much more you know that that's been his thing for longer than Josh and I have been alive. You know, and he's a, a you know being a being a buddy. We didn't want to step on his toes. Sure. Um, but no, we do. You know, we've got we've got you know I'm looking looking at some Harleys right now in the shop. Um, nice. You know, like we we work on everything. Awesome. Awesome. So like right now we have an old Ironhead Sportster. I'm not sure of the exact year, uh, but it is the one with only electric start, no Kickstarter. So. Well, what are you? Where, what are you guys doing touching bikes that don't have a Kickstarter? <laughs> That's like that. That right there is like when I think of vintage steel. I right away I think of Kickstart. Yeah. Well, so the name, the name of the shop, Vintage Steel, is like a uh, is a beautiful thing, and it's a clever play on words, vintage, and then it's my last name, Steel. Right. And uh, Chris is the one that came up with it. Uh, and uh, I remember the day he came up with the name Vintage Steel. Uh, his former job, I, I was, uh, he was a, a clothing manager at a uh, uh, nonprofit, the Brattleboro Area Hospice here in, in Brattleboro. Uh-huh. He ran out of the back room and he's like, I got it. He's like, I figured out the name of the shop. And this is when we were operating as a hobby shop out of my garage <laughs> at my house. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's that? He's like, Vintage Steel. And I was like, dude, that's perfect. You know, and then we just stuck with it. The issue with the name, though, is that it is kind of deceiving, you know, like it, it makes it to where uh, some people think we only work on old motorcycles, which isn't true. We work on everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we, we're tooled up now, you know, five, six years later, we're tooled up now to basically be able to work on everything. Yeah, and I've seen your shop, and I mean, they, they have the capability, I was telling you that, Mark, earlier, is, I mean, they have the capability to, if they have to, to make their own parts and and uh, pieces and they are i mean they're, yeah. they're doing it I, I i assume that when it's just all all the avenues have failed to find something they're they're gonna they're gonna make it themselves or or uh, machine something else into that part which yeah. is just no one I, i'm not aware of a lot of places that are doing that it's especially that they're that they're you know they're self-taught i mean this is yeah. it's incredible Although there's fewer, fewer and fewer places are are able to do what we're we're able to do and so that's why there's such a demand and need for like a shop like ours in the sense that like, you know, uh, people search us out to be able to do that stuff because a lot of dealerships, you know, they don't work on anything, you know, pre-1994. You know, so a lot of people are get bummed, you know, and I'm not saying that's every dealership, but that's just stories that we've heard in the past. And sure. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, bring bike in, you know, we'll, we'll check it out. You know, so it's like, I guess when, when people ask what we specialize in, we usually say everything. Um, you know, but I'd say carbureted systems, you know, are really our specialties these days just because fewer and fewer shops are working on anything with the carburetor. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I don't know if you guys would agree with that or your shop. No, no, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And, in fact, it's not even really being taught uh, on a factory level in, in most uh, manufacturers anymore. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's slowly getting out of it, and you need to um, – you need to know what you're doing. As you guys know, you can mess it, mess up a car pretty quickly if you don't know what you're oh, doing. Yeah. Yep. And you guys probably see see people like me that have probably worked on stuff, and uh, and ends up, you know, being worked on at your shop because you you guys get it. So. <laughs> so I'm curious, guys, about um, about your first bikes. I mean, first bikes are a lot like first love. So I kind of got a two part question here. Can you tell us what your first bike was? And 
and then sort of at the other end of the spectrum, the Alpha and the Omega, what's your dream bike? If you if you had just one bike. So tell me about your first bike and what your, your dream bike would be. My, my first bike was a nightmare. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, so was my first love. Like, what's that? So was my first love. set you up with that. I had an old Triumph for the last four years and finally got fed up with it always being broken and staying in the shop late to fix it so I sold it and bought a BMW and haven't looked back. have been super generous with your time and wrapping things up i i, I just had one more question before john shuts us all off here you know of course you, you've asked you i mean you have asked a lot of questions well i'm you know i i can, <laughs> I, I can flap a little and i apologize if i've dominated the at conversation some point in time, but, i thought it was going to go back and forth here but well we started no, I, off like we sort of way too much what's that i feel like i'm talking way too much yeah well it probably in the end it's probably Mark that's been doing most of the talking. Well, here, but that, we were supposed to interview you, but Mark is, he's anyway. The beauty of it is, is that John will edit edit me right out of this whole damn thing. It'll just be about you three that's, guys. That's anyway. true. I have the edit material here. So go ahead. So what's your last question, Mark? So my last question is, is uh, so you you walk into Vintage Steel ten years from now, what's it look like, guys? Wow, it's a deep question. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have enough time for that. <laughs> no. Uh, Part of it is we'd like to buy our own building. We'd like to buy a much bigger building here in southern Vermont uh, because we want to become more of a destination and, uh, you know, like a little eatery, cafe, coffee, somewhere we can invite people to come and actually hang out. That would be cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now, because of how small we are, uh, we can't have people hanging out here. 
just because we're continually working and trying to trying to get bikes out of here. So someday I would like to have a place where you know you can come, you can ride up, you can uh, sit down, hang out, spend some time, uh, maybe buy a helmet, maybe buy a copy. If you're looking for jackets or riding gear, uh, we we also supply that. And then always will be a repair shop and motorcycle building shop. You know, so that's kind of our our vision for the future. Fantastic. Um, that that's actually kind of a cool yeah. a cool idea like I cafe slash I mean in 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 when you get a chance to go into vintage steel yourself Mark, I think you're gonna say that five year plan. I mean we did ask them technically about their ten year plan and I mean they didn't they didn't, <laughs> they, didn't they didn't answer yeah. the question yeah. but whatever is uh, who are we right but um, uh, well, we've been the, doing this we've been doing this for six years now and the idea of doing it for ten more years is incredibly daunting so kind of shocking <laughs> you'll be here 10 years from now guys i guarantee it and uh yeah, i um, hope so we're, we're super excited you know from our perspective to to see what you guys do and i think uh there's a lot of people out there that um that are going to learn about vintage steel as time goes on and i hope you guys uh just continue to grow we wish you the very best and certainly if, if we can do anything on our end um to help promote you guys is there anything on your end that you guys want to um, you know, that you're working on right now that you just, before we sign off, that you want to hit on? Oh, uh, no, I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier on when you said VintageSteel.com if uh, people want to check us out. You know, and also our social media, we're really easy to find Vintage Steel or at Vintage Steel. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think, and we really appreciate you guys doing this too and uh, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, it was yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.